2: Welcome back. Second hour of the Weekend Warrior Show. Having so much fun. It's nice to know so many of you are listening. That Weekend Warrior Nation is huge. I just love hearing those words, Weekend Warrior. And you know who I love hearing, saying those words? My favorite. My favorite of all time, Kobe Bryant, who did the promo for this show. But here he is giving us a shout out, giving a basketball lesson to a journalist. He can't help himself. He's gotta say the
3: weekend warrior.
1: What are you looking at when you're guarding somebody? Talk me through what your kind of
3: what your well, mentality I, I, is. I play to to my opponent's weaknesses. Okay. Obviously. So so your, I'm left your left hand. So I'll probably sit inside here and get this hand inside here. You know, that's a little trick for the weekend warriors yeah, trick, over there. Trick. You know, you're like-
2: Trick for the Weekend Warriors over there. We're right here, Kobe. We're still right here. We'll always be here. What I learned so much from Kobe is how he's able to focus. I had Gary Vitti, the legendary trainer for the Lakers, for Showtime, for Shaq and Kobe, for 30 years. And I asked him on the air as our guest, what did you learn after 30 years? All that time with all those athletes. Gary Vitti said, I learned that talent is overrated. I said, what? He goes, yeah. I took care of a lot of guys who could jump out of the gym. And they went nowhere with their career. You want to know why Kobe was special? Gary Vitti said. Because he had something that few people had. The ability to Focus. To put a box around himself, a cage, a bubble. And would not let anybody penetrate so he could focus on what he had to do. Here he's asked, how do you block out the trash talk? How do you tune out trash talk or heckling? I mean, how do you, you know, kind of all this stuff going around? Getting
3: character. Like the game we played the Knicks, I wasn't in the mood to talk to anybody and you know i wasn't i wasn't going to say hello to spike i wasn't going to say hello to my man jay-z you know i I just wasn't in the mood i didn't want to hear anything i was in my my mode my focus i wasn't going to let anybody break that he gets into his zone and nobody's going to get him out of it basketball a lot of times it's um has to do with the emotional space that you can put yourself in in that particular game i was in one of those moods. i mean you know a couple of Nick guys would come up to me during the game and say hello, as we've done in the past, and I just ignored them because I just, I, you know, I was in my zone, and I didn't want anything, you know, outside of that taking me out of it.
2: An emotional space. That's where he puts himself in. That's why he's able to focus. It's a third dimension when you can put a cube around yourself. You're just not a picture frame, two-dimensional. You're a cube. You're in a cage. You're in a bubble so that you can focus. Here's a wonderful interview with Patrick Bet David where he talks about more about that space, that Z axis, that third 3D model that he can put himself in.
3: It's a good separation for me, you know, emotionally, to be able to put myself in a place where at practice or when I'm training or during games, I switch my mind to something else, I switch my mode into something else, right? For me, it's the equivalent of Maximus, Desmus, Meridius and Gladiator picking up the dirt, smelling the dirt, it's go time, right? So that was my mental switch. It was like an actor getting ready for a film. You got to put yourself in that cage. When you're in that cage, you are that character. And then when you leave there, it's something completely different. But when I'm in that cage, bro, don't touch me. Don't talk to me. (laughs) Just leave me alone.
2: As an orthopedic surgeon who sees athletes and weekend warriors who have injuries, how did he put up with so many injuries and still be able to play? How could he shoot two free throws and make them with a completely torn Achilles tendon? Because Kobe Bryant understands the ability to go into a 3D model and put a cage around himself. Listen to him talk about his back was in spasm, but he knows people were coming to see him and he didn't want to let them down. He could go into that zone, that emotional space, that third dimension, and still be able to play with injuries compartmentalize what was going on that's what we're going to talk about at 815 with my guest Brian Crutchfield an expert in 3D modeling but the 3D model in sports is Kobe Bryant listen to him talk to Patrick Bet-David about back spasms and how he's able to be there to not let that audience down us down who are coming to see him he took it very seriously, which is why he's so beloved. Because he actually did feel each and every one of us.
3: You got a lot of people playing their hard-earned money to come watch you perform, perform, perform. It's your job to be in shape. It's your job to be strong enough to perform at that level every single night. And as a competitor, I'm not. I'm not ducking. Like it's not. Oh my God, my back hurts, I'm sore, we got to play Vince Carter and Toronto Raptors tonight. We actually had this happen. We had a game against Toronto in 2000. Um, and Vince was tearing the league up. Um, my back was jacked, jacked. But like the perception of that, like what? Kobe's missing a game against Toronto and Vince Carter because you know, my back was really spasming. But people will be like, what? Oh, he's ducking Vince. Excuse me? No, I don't think so. So I would be in the layup line like, okay, there's a lot of days where, you know, you can rest and recover. Today ain't one of them. Your back can bother you any other day. That ain't bothering me today. He's going to have to see oh, me today. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> Kobe had the ability to use that third dimension, that Z-axis of depth. Where in the world of art, music, do I see that? There's a reason this group, this group that made this song... It's a simple song. It's a song from 1960. There's no words. Purely instrumental. Why did this song revolutionize rock and roll revolutionized the use of the guitar from Stevie Ray Vaughan the greatest guitar players of all time reference believe it or not this song and this group is changing their lives how could that be these were two bricklayers who bought used guitars in Tacoma Washington and heard this song already being played by Chet Atkins and said we're not good enough to play it like Chet Atkins we're gonna modify it simplify it and by the way we don't have a drummer or a bass player so we're going to modify it bang on the strings to make up for the drums they took a two-dimensional song and made it three-dimensional and changed the world The name of this group is The Ventures, and their story is inspiring about a 3D model, in my mind. Let's hear their
4: story. I was actually a used car salesman, and I was working in a car lot in Seattle. And actually, um, uh, Bob came in to buy a car, my partner of almost 40 years. So I did uh, sell him a car, And we had talked, and I asked him what kind of work he did. And he said he was a bricklayer. And so I said, well, do you think you could get me on where you're working? And he said, well, I'll sure try. (laughs) Because a step up from selling used cars
2: is being a bricklayer. But they bonded. They bonded because these two buddies, now working in construction together, Realized they both loved the guitar. This is in 1957 this is happening, the year I was born. It's a long time ago. But they learned how to play the guitar together. They got the books, and they were simplistic at it. They didn't know a chord from a slice of pizza.
5: We discovered that we both had an interest in guitar, and... uh, I think we each had a real cheap acoustic guitar, and we knew about three chords. We went to a pawn shop and bought uh, some electric guitars and an amplifier, and so then we could turn up the volume a little bit. Boy, we thought that was really, really good. And they
2: learned by listening to records. Two-dimensional, in my opinion. There's no depth. They're just listening to somebody else play, and they're trying to teach themselves.
4: We bought... uh, Chord books and uh, tried to learn as many chords as we could. And uh, just playing together, we got a lot of response from people who uh, heard us play for the first time. That they, Even at that time, they said, you, you have a different sound.
2: But here's where the 3D modeling comes in. They're copying the song, but they want depth. They want it to sound more than what they're playing yet it's only the two of them they don't have a big band behind them they don't have a drummer or a bass player listen to Don Wilson tell you how the third dimension entered
4: their world at the time we didn't know a bass player or a drummer so it was just the two of us and I tried to make up with the rhythm and playing a kind of a, uh, more of a percussion sound you know, hitting the strings hard. And uh, he played, in order to make up for anything else that wasn't there, any other instrument, he played a very, uh, a lead, and he'd throw in a chord every once in a while and use that little whammy bar to make it almost kind of Hawaiian sounding. (laughs)
2: And they now realize they're onto something. Simplifying the song, finding depth, finding that third dimension. Now people are paying attention.
4: And yeah, We'd work uh, eight or 10 hours a day. Then we'd go to work at the club and start about nine and wouldn't finish till one. But we really wanted the experience. They paid us practically nothing. But uh, then we got a hold of a bass player and uh, a guy that played lead guitar he was one of the best lead guitar players in uh, the town that we were living in at the time which was tacoma washington and his name was nokie edwards but still they're in, they're excited about their sound but can they do this for a living he joined us and we had been playing a song that we picked up in a chet atkins album called walk don't run And it's an album called Hi-Fi and Focus. And we were in awe of Chet Atkins because he played uh, fingerstyle. And when he played Walk, Don't Run, it was almost jazzy. And uh, a guy named Johnny Smith, who was a jazz guitarist, actually wrote the song. Well, we couldn't play it like that. So what we did is to put it into our own style. And we played it with a, a rock beat.
2: Yes, they did, and the producer that they showed it to rejected it.
4: The uh, Ventures
5: came and they played their first record for me, and I said, I, "You know, I, I think you're very good, but this is not. This is this isn't it." And uh, uh, suggested they keep doing it and come again.
2: So they keep working at it. They keep banging on the strings. They keep trying to find more depth to that simple song. And they finally get it on the news in Tacoma, Washington as the lead into the news. But people start to hear him. And then this very same record producer hears it on the radio, not just as a demo. He's now here and he goes, they've done something different to it. He even uses the word grotesque, but it's the depth, the 3D modification they make in that song is what allows it
5: to become a hit. I heard on KJR Radio in Seattle this remarkable uh, instrumental. And I said, well, they're bending notes in there and, you know, they're flat, they're sharp. Deliberately so that you get actually what might be considered grotesque but somehow utilized in such a way that it was exciting
4: we had been to bob with a tape before and he turned us down
5: (laughs) she came to me and i listened to it again you know she had her demo with her and i said this this is going to be a big hit do you are you know do you know that she said really and i said This is going to be possibly number one in the country. It's what I have been waiting for. That third
2: dimension. The grotesque, the modifying, the depth. And when you do that in your life, the magic happens. Here's Don Wilson and Bob Ugel using that very word. It's magical when you add that third dimension.
4: I don't know. It it was a a sound that was quite different. The song was very catchy melody, had a very catchy melody. And the guitars, it's it's a magic of some kind. When you go into the studio, uh, it could have come out in a way that it wouldn't have been a hit. But it, it, it just, these things happen.
5: We weren't uh, professional enough to play the song the way it was written. You know, it was too complicated for us. So I think the, the way we simplified it and put it into a rock and roll beat is one of the things that made it hit. That's
2: exactly what happened. Kobe Bryant goes into that emotional zone, that three dimension, puts a box around himself so he can play even with injuries. They modified that song from a simple Chet Atkins song to the number one hit in America and changed the way guitars were played in rock and roll bands forever. And in my world of surgery, going deeper, creating depth, that third dimension. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a man who knows all about that 3D model in the world of art, sports, and in my world of surgery. The great Brian Crutchfield is going to join us. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
1: Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings.
3: What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant.
2: At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me?
3: (laughs) Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper.
2: You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop.
3: Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
1: Deep and the water is as ice.
2: The river runs deep and the water. Welcome back, weekend warriors. It's the great Eric Clapton talking about depth. That the river runs deep. Coming up right now is someone who knows a lot about depth. 3D modeling. The great Brian Crutchfield. Brian, thanks so much for joining us and waking up early to be with us.
6: It's my pleasure to be here, Dr. Clapper. Thanks for having me.
2: It's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? What'd your dad do for a living? And how did you wind up in this business?
6: (laughs) Well, I grew up in Southeast Michigan and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time rolling around in the automotive industry. Uh, my dad was a a carpenter, in fact. Ah. Uh, and, uh, I sort of uh, wound up in this business uh, through the last uh, recession. Uh was particularly hard on the automotive industry, and I decided to to look for other alternatives in uh, medical and software, and I found my way to Materialize.
2: You know, I did a little bit of reading about your company, Materialize, and the founder is a fascinating guy, but the company is just awesome. in all the things that you guys do as 3D printmaking – and I want to thank Jeff Busey from Biomed for putting us together. And I also want to publicly thank you for allowing me to put together the research project that I did at this with the saber-toothed tiger uh, bones, basically, to make the 3D model that is allowing the paleontologists to now see the life of the saber-toothed tiger differently because of you making those models and me showing them that these animals limp, they couldn't run fast anymore. And someone else was taking care of them, so they hunted in packs and didn't hunt alone. So thank you for making that happen. Teach us a little bit. What exactly is 3D printing, and how did this all start?
6: Yeah, so 3D printing is just a a manufacturing technology. And and basically what you do is you take a, a 3D digital model of an object, right? And you're turning that into what's known as a slice file. So very thin layers, you know, think of a loaf of bread. You know, every little slice adds up to the loaf. Mm. And then you're sending those slices to the machines, and the machines are able to print them one at a time, stack them up into uh, an object. And what it allows for is this technology allows for uh, degrees of freedom that you don't have in any other manufacturing technology. Mm. So you're allowed to build complex organic shapes, you know, you can literally build uh, a ship in a bottle, uh, if you will. And, and so that provides a, a lot of creative solutions to other pro- otherwise problems that we weren't able to solve previously with other manufacturing techniques.
2: It must be such a joy for you, Brian, to go to the conference room at your place and just sit around and go, okay, where else are we going to go? Hearing aids, making glasses, making orthopedic implants for hips and knees. I mean the sky is the absolute limit for you it's it's amazing the infinite number of directions that you guys can go into
6: Yeah it truly is you know it, it it's provided for really transformative technology inside of many spaces whether it's consumer aerospace or medical right obviously the medical applications are the ones that get the the, the most press Uh, things like helping people get up and walk from wheelchairs again, because you're able to create custom implants that fit Mm -hmm. their particular defect um, or uh, as simple things as creating custom fit hearing aids for ourselves uh, and another company. We, we we transformed the, the hearing aid industry over the course of about two years. Traditionally hearing aids had been shaped by hand, right? You would go back, get fitted, have them shaped, come back, get fitted again. And then, uh, it was Phonak at the time, we, we took a scan of someone's ear canal, recreated that 3D model, and then created a software program that would automatically orientate all of the necessary electronics that you need inside of, a, inside of a, a hearing aid, and then 3D print the shell itself. So it's already made to fit your ear. No longer did you have to come back and, and get fitted and have it sanded and, and be uncomfortable it would automatically fit your ear. And so that's just one application uh, over the 30 years that we've been in the business that we've been able to to help our partners, our our company partners, uh, innovate in their particular fields to unle- unleash value for their customers.
2: Tell us a little bit about your founder, Freed, a man mm-hmm. who, before there is the internet, before there are computers that you can hold in your hand, floppy disks are all that basically you have, He's able to k- visualize the future 30-plus years ago as soon as he sees the birth of this type of industry. What is this guy like, and what's it like to be in his presence?
6: Well, he's really he's quite visionary, right? As you, as you mentioned, he, he had gone to a conference, and he saw one of the first 3D printing machines uh, available in Europe. And he looked at it and he immediately started to think about all of the possibilities it would unlock uh, in the world of manufacturing. And, and even in that time, very early on, he started to think about how you could create custom patient care, uh, you know, that every patient has a unique anatomy and that this technology would allow you to dispo- not only display that anatomy, but create Surgical instruments, or implants, or things of that nature that could help better treat those patients. Mm-hmm. So he was really quite visionary, in, you know, in the late '80s and early '90s when he started the company.
2: Is he still active, or did he retire? No,
6: nope, he's still active. He's uh, he's our CEO and still very active in the in the company today.
2: Wow, that's just awesome. Well, you're talking to me on ESPN, and for the most part. Even though I take pride in knowing that people are not just sports fans listening to the show, but I am on ESPN for ten and a half years. Teach us a little bit about your vision of three D printmaking and what it can do for the sports industry.
6: Well, for the for- sports industry, what we're try- what we're seeing is that it's it's creating custom devices that can help accentuate or enhance uh, an athlete's performance. Um, one of the, the first things that jumps to mind is we have a, a brand called FITS, and these are our custom patient-specific um, orthotics. And so what you do, you know, you were speaking earlier about gaze, gait and force and toe-off. You'll walk across the plush, a pressure plate about the size of a towel, right? And this pressure plate has thousands of sensors in it, and it's recording not only your footprint but also the torsion and loads through time as you're doing your gait and your force and your toe-off. And it's looking at that and then we have algorithms that it'll compare that back to a neutral gate. And so then we can create a 3D printed uh, orthotic that is specific to you. It's digital in nature, right? There are thousands of points of measurement that's gone into this. And then it's correcting back to neutral and we'll present a, a plan to either an orthotist or a podiatrist. And inside of this orthotic, there are six tunable zones And the orthotic itself is made out of a a lattice, a mesh, if you will, Mm. right? Just a three-dimensional mesh. And inside those tunable zones, we can change the size, the density, uh, all kinds of things around those zones to change the deflection rates so that that orthotic, which is made specifically for you, will correct you back to neutral. And that comes with all kinds of benefits, Uh, not only for the runners in the world, uh, but even for people in like hospitality uh, positions where they're on their feet for 8, 10, 12 hours a day, right? It allows them to be walking around or running in a neutral gait, which helps prevent injuries, which helps enhance their performance in the case of running uh, or in the case of uh, sports, right? We have Many teams now that are using the technology, uh, one that comes to mind is the WNBA, the Dallas Wings. Hmm. Uh, they screen all of their athletes uh, with this technology and then provide orthotics to the ones that
5: need it. Hmm.
2: The Renaissance artists who discovered foreshortening the illusion of painting on a canvas two-dimensionally with paint, but making a focal point and making the illusion that you were seeing three-dimensionally, even though it was still three-dimensional, it's it's what makes it lifelike. It brings it alive is when you actually find, in whatever world you're working in, the third dimension. So I want to take advantage of you being here, and I want to, what do they say? The eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. The ears don't right. hear what the mind doesn't know. Listen to Don Wilson talking about Taking a guitar, a flat surface, and now actually tapping the strings, not just strumming them two-dimensionally, but coming at it anterior-posterior and making a third dimension in my mind. But I'm curious how you interpret this. The aha moment, Mm -hmm. the 3D of depth in the music business.
4: At the time, we didn't know a bass player or a drummer, so it was just the two of us. And I tried to make up with the rhythm and playing a kind of uh, more of a percussion sound. You know, hitting the strings hard. And uh, he played, in order to make up for anything else that wasn't there, any other instrument, he played a very, uh, a lead, and he'd throw in a chord every once in a while and use that little whammy bar to make it almost kind of Hawaiian sounding. (laughs)
2: Brian, when I sent you the CAT scan slices, like you talk about the loaf of bread, mm-hmm. of the La Brea Tar saber tiger, and then I got delivered, thanks to Jeff Busey, a box that had a three-dimensional pelvis and femur of a saber tiger. It's as though the metaphor is right. You brought it alive. You made it three-dimensionally actually makes life in something, whether it's a pair of sneakers or a hearing aid or whatever it is, it actually becomes lifelike, just like the music banging on the string rather than just strumming the string. What does that mean to you?
6: Yeah, you know, we, we have a, a version of that, that that we like to talk about. You know, oftentimes you'll hear the, the saying that a picture is worth a thousand words. And as you mentioned, they're just, they're just two-dimensional. But when we provide, uh, particularly physicians and and folks that are working with patients to do diagnostics, we often reference that a a 3D model is worth a thousand pictures, right? (laughs) It just brings that more depth, you know, that ability to see the nuance and and what's going on, hold it in your hand, spin it around, look at it, think of alternative approaches uh, in treatment. Or, you know, we, we, we also talk about Along with, uh, you know, there's a, a, a government uh, center called America Makes. That's the, the U.S. government center for 3D printing uh, just outside Cleveland, Ohio. And a lot of the directors there will talk about, you know, everyone talks about STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. They'll talk about STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and math. That's right. And the reason is you gotta you have to learn how to train your mind to think in three dimensions. Right. right? As you're, as you're thinking about this technology and then you hold those models in your hand, and it really opens up a new world of solutions in all kinds of industries, whether it's medical, aerospace, consumer, you name it.
2: Is that... So let me play another soundbite. Is that what you're talking or, or listening to and hearing
3: when Kobe Bryant says this? Basketball, a lot of times, it um, has to do with the emotional space that you can put yourself in. In that particular game, I was in one of those moods. I mean, you know, a couple of Nick guys would come up to me during the game and say hello, as we've done in the past, and I just ignored them because I just, I, you know, I was in my zone and I didn't want anything, you know, outside of that taking me out of it. To be able to build a wall around you, here's another soundbite. How do you tune out trash talk or heckling? I mean, how do you, you know, kind of all this stuff going around? Getting get in character, like the game, we played the Knicks. I wasn't in the mood to talk to anybody. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say hello to Spike. I wasn't going to say hello to my man Jay-Z. You know, I, I just wasn't in the mood. I didn't want to hear anything. I was in my, my mode, my focus. I wasn't going to let anybody break that. And here
2: he says he puts himself in a cage. So just like you just mentioned, Brian, you, you train your mind. Here's Kobe telling us how he trains his mind to put himself in a cage emotionally.
3: It's a good separation for me, you know, emotionally, to be able to put myself in a place where at practice or when I'm training or during games, I switch my mind to something else. I switch my mode into something else. Right? For me, it's the equivalent of Maximus, Desmus, Meridius, and Gladiator picking up the dirt, smelling the dirt. It's go time. Right. So that was my mental switch. It was like an actor getting ready for a film. You got to put yourself in that cage. When you're in that cage, you are that character. And then when you leave there, it's something completely different. But when I'm in that cage, bro, don't touch me. Don't talk to me. Just leave me alone.
2: What do you hear when he says that, Brian?
6: Yeah, I, I think of, you know, we're often talking about we have to uh, help our 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 clients you know our our physician clients or our engineering clients they've all been trained in traditional methods right 2d methods uh conventional manufacturing methods and we try to help them come to a new space right a new space where you think a little differently you think about the three-dimensional object that's in front of you uh you know one of the examples that that we uh talk about frequently is uh we had a windsurfer, right, and he had been treated a few times for an ACL meniscus, right. I'd heard that earlier in the show today, mm-hmm. but it still hadn't solved his problems. and And finally, he had gone to to one of the clients that we have worked with, and he started to think about it in three dimensions, right. He had gotten that CT or MRI, created a three D model, and saw that there was an alignment issue inside of this uh, this particular windsurfer's leg and knee structure, and that allowed us then to work with them to create a uh, what's known as a cutting guide. Think of it as a, a three-dimensional matching piece of plastic that very accurately allowed the surgeon to cut uh, this particular patient's leg and rearrange and then use uh, plates and screws to create that alignment that was needed and get him back on his on his windsurf you know, get back to his windsurfing career. So when I think of what Kobe was saying, I'm thinking about how you have to get your mind into a new spot. Don't think the same way you always did. Think about a new way that can help you solve your your issues.
2: What a joy. What a joy knowing there are people like you out there, Brian, who are thinking about us (laughs) in three dimensions. It's just awesome. It really brings to life that two-dimension format, whether it's a computer screen, it's looking at an X-ray, a CAT scan, but actually holding it in your hand with depth is awesome. Before I let you go, Teach us a little bit about Olympic athletes, football players. Where else are you going in sports?
6: Yeah, so back to our stories about the orthotics, right? Uh, Just a recent example is uh, everyone on Team Great Britain that went to the Tokyo Olympics uh, has a set of personalized patient orthotics. Mm -hmm. Um, Paula Radcliffe who held the women's uh, world record for over 16 years uh, she runs on them Mm -hmm. but they're accessible to the regular person as well and that's one of the things that we really like to get out there that this this digital technology industry 4.0 and 3d printing they're really creating a democratization of manufacturing and Mm -hmm. so there are places uh, all over the United States where just an average patient can go in and they can utilize the same technology that Olympic athletes are doing. That's what I think is great about this revolution, right? And you've got uh, companies like carbon and Rydell that are creating 3d printed helmet liners for football players, right? And that's all they're using the ability to create these unique structures to try to solve the problem of concussions in football, right? That to, to better absorb the blows uh, that are inevitable in that sport, hmm. uh, and then you go even further from there. Bicycles and, and things of that nature. We're working with a lot of bicycle manufacturers now who are creating lightweight titanium parts hmm. to make cycling, uh, you know, cycling uh, equipment better for everyone, and that's available to just anyone who who wants to buy them. So. We really see the, you know, we call it the slow revolution as it starts to starts to pick up momentum, uh, et cetera. Uh, but slowly but surely, we're it's walking into all areas of sports, consumer goods, uh, you name it. Wow. And, and one of the things I always like to talk about is when people say, well, it's really niche, right? It's not high volume, et cetera. Well, we trade for 50,000 patients of our own every year. Our customers, we figure, trade about a million total with the technology every year. Yeah. But the highest volume application I know is in California, and it's with Align Technologies. And everyone on the show would know them as line. Mm. And VisitAlign prints over 200,000 pieces a day. So the, the little aligners that come out to move people's teeth around, those start off as a 3D print of. The, the arrangement they want the teeth in, and then it's over-molded with a, a mouth-friendly material so that it can stay in your mouth for long periods of time. Gee. So that's just another application uh, that people don't really think about that's in their everyday lives that many people probably have taken advantage of. Well, Brian,
2: your dad, the carpenter, I'm sure is proud of you, but let me tell you something. Dr. Clapper, the son of a carpenter, is also proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. It's just so exciting to share the planet with someone like you who's really passionate about making it a better place, and you do it through your 3D printing. Before I let you go, how can people learn more about your company?
6: Uh, Just look us up, uh, www.materialize.com. And if you're interested in the the orthotics site, our North American distributor is... Go-4D.com.
2: Brian, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. You really made our day. Thanks so much, and God bless. Yep, yeah, thank you, Dr. Claver All right, appreciate it very much. All right, Warriors. Coming up next, I'll take your calls. The clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN.
3: When the river runs deep cold as ice The river
5: runs deep and the water is cold as ice
1: Hey, it's Mace. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Doctor Clapper
3: and the Weekend Warrior Show, seven to nine a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. It's time for Clapper Achilles. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Doctor Clapper. Where has this been my whole life? Every Saturday morning from seven to nine a.m. on ESPN, seven ten, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Balls,
4: Dr. Balls.
1: Dr. Bones, I love you, Dr. Bones. Dr. Again,
2: Warriors. Dr. Bones. To give you an idea, Bones. Clapper Vision, of you, Max Dr. Muncie and Russell Wilson. Let's do Russell Wilson first. He actually injure, injured his long finger on his throwing hand in two places. He ripped the extensor tendon off of... The distal phalanx, that's where your nail is on your finger. And then the main knuckle, the the PIP joint, not the palm of your hand, but the main knuckle of your long finger, he fractured, broke the bone, and dislocated it. So two different areas. And God bless Steve Shin at Cedars, who's been a guest on this show. We love him. He put back together Chris Paul, Drew Brees, Mike Trout. He's the man. And he's a hand surgeon. He's the best in the business. And he operated on Russell Wilson. So here's my Clapper vision of what took place. I want you to think of your finger as a fishing rod and the tendon like the fishing line.
1: Clapper vision.
2: So if you're catching a fish, the fish has got its mouth around the hook. The hook is attached to the fishing line. The fishing line then comes and stays close to the fishing rod by those loops. Well, Russell Wilson not only snapped the lure off the end of the fishing line that's in the fish's mouth, the hook separated from the fishing line, but he also broke the fishing rod, not the line, but broke the fishing rod. That's the fracture and dislocation. So what Steve Shin did, Dr. Shin, is use tiny little screws to fix the rod itself the fishing rod itself that's the fracture dislocation and he in essence retied the end of the fishing line back to the hook that's on the end of the line both of those things took place and that's why he'll be out for a month but Russell Wilson will be back this season no doubt about it as far as Max Muncie, who the Dodgers dearly miss The greatest news is that he dislocated his elbow, popped it back into place by himself without managing to tear the ulnar collateral ligament, and more importantly, without having a piece, a fragment of the bone that can sometimes break off, stay stuck in the joint. How do we know this? Because it went back into place. The clap revision is your car door. You go to the driver's side of the car and you open the door and it swings open. Well, if you keep swinging it open, you can pull the door right off the hinge, right off the side of the car. You can hyperextend your car door sometimes where it's in an abnormal spot, but then you can clunk it back into place and the hinge will then close the door versus ripping the door completely off the car. That's what happened to the humerus, the olecranon, the radial head and Max Muncy's elbow. It needs to heal. There's a lot of ligaments and tendons that get strained, not torn in that process. But I cannot see him back to beat the Giants, but maybe for the World Series. But that means they got to beat the Giants without Max Muncie, And that is a tough task for the Dodgers. Look at what happened last night. So Go Blue, go Dodgers. They're playing again today. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. I'll take some calls. No, we can keep going. What do you want to do? Let's take Larry. All right, Steve let you're the boss. Let's take Larry. We're going to go right to you. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Doctor. Good morning, uh, Larry. How young are you? What do you do for a living?
0: Uh, I am uh, 77, retired, cotton picker, cotton chopper, teacher, lawyer. Wow, you did everything. Good for you. Where'd you grow yeah. up? Uh, Arkansas, Mississippi
2: Delta. Wow. What did your dad do for a living?
0: I didn't grow up with him, but uh, he was in Chicago when I was down south, and he was a uh, cargo handler for Flying Tiger Airlines.
2: Wow. And your mom, what did she do?
0: She was a domestic worker, also cotton fields at a younger age. Jesus Man, you got to write a book, and we need to make a movie about your life.
2: (laughs) Well, millions of people probably could say the same thing, Doc. Wow. I just find you incredibly fascinating. How can I help you? What did you do to yourself?
0: Well, I got this hip uh, issue, Doc. It was uh, initially, I guess, diagnosis, bursitis, Mm -hmm. but I'm still feeling this pain. feels like bone on bone, nerve on nerve, very painful. And it seems to be getting worse and better.
2: Is it and in the I groin? Had- is it in the groin? Is it on the side of your hip or is it in your buttock? Where's the pain?
0: It's on the side. And, you know, they tell me that's why they call it bursitis. And I finally got an MRI and that's why I called you. Do you have
2: the MRI report in front of you? I do. Good. I want it- you to read the impression. Re- read it slowly so I can interrupt you and give you some Clapper vision. You know what Clapper vision is? You listen to the show? I listen to this show all the time. Just uh-huh. dropped
0: off my wife and daughter at the airport. We were listening to you when we were driving.
2: Ah, uh, what's your favorite story that I've told, Larry?
0: Oh, uh, you've told so many, Doc. <laughs> I'm so fascinated by your stories about New York, Jewish culture, <laughs> Columbia University. Uh, all of those fascinate me. Uh, including Your dad put you back to the of something that he built you, and it's
2: lasted through the storm. Right. So Hurricane Sandy, the whole neighborhood got destroyed. But my dad embarrassed me as a kid because the kid said, hey, your dad's a carpenter, Robbie. Let him put the basketball court up. And I'm going, oh, no, this is never going to yeah. get finished. He's going to spend like two months trying to put up a damn basketball. And he did. He took two months to put up the damn thing with shims and frames. And I'm like, oh, and no, oh my God. I'm so embarrassed that my father is so compulsive that way. And you know what? I love my dad. My dad built a basketball court that, after Hurricane Sandy, crushed Far Rockaway. The only thing still standing in Far Rockaway was the backboard brace that my father put up in the 1960s. Everything else got destroyed. So, thank you for touching my heart, Larry, reminding me about my dad and that story. How can I help you? So,
0: well, for the impressions, Doc, go said- for it. Mal-degeneration-grade-2, okay. and it has, in parentheses behind it, number KHR-2, and I think they described that as something meaning the Kilogram lawrence grading system.
2: Yes, okay. And it goes to four. Four is the maximum. But you know yeah. what, Larry? Just like in real estate, location, 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 right? I got a beauty mark on my forearm. No big deal. It's not a melanoma. But guess what? You get that beauty mark on the lens of your eye and you're blind. So let the radiologist be a big shot. No one's allowed to use the word mild in terms of the location, if you've got that spot, that that pothole, here's a clapper vision. You can have a pothole. You're riding around right now, coming back from the airport, like a great guy taking your wife and kids <laughs> to the airport. If you right. get on the 405, trust me, you're going to hit a pothole at some point. If the pothole is in the middle of the lane, you're going to feel it, and it'll rattle your car. But if that pothole is off to the side and on the shoulder of the 405, who cares? You ain't going to feel it. That's the same thing. That's a Clapper vision of them saying you got a grade 2 defect in your cartilage in your hip. As we say in New York, forget about it. Get out of here. That may be in a bad spot. And if it is, you're going to get bursitis because your hip ain't right. Larry, do me a favor. Don't let them talk you into cortisone shots, sinvisc injections, stem cells. No, none of that. Yes, you can do pool exercises, but Larry... You win the prize. You call my office at your leisure. You tell Arnie I said it's okay. You come and see me, and it'll be my honor and pleasure to help you get better one way or the other. Okay? Great. One quick question, Doc. What are uh, bones for osteoporosis? Osteophyte, that's a bone spur. That means that you got termites in the floor under the linoleum. So don't tell me it's a grade two. I don't, how dare you call it a grade two if you already got a bone spur. So guess what I think about that whole report you got. I hate it. And you know what? we are I'm from New York. We know how to hate things. I hate that report that you have. I need to see it with my own eyes and I need to feel your hip. So you make it your business to get in to see me and it'll be my pleasure to help you. Okay, thank you, doctor. Does that does that pretend that I may
0: or may not have a, a total hip replacement or? or- well,
2: you're not. Nobody's going to need an emergency hip replacement. Not what you've described. I'm going to still put you in the pool and get you ready. But yeah, if your hip is degenerating, you're 77. I want you to live to 100, and I don't want you to be in pain. So if I look at your ex- your X-ray, your MRI, and examine you. I'm going to still put you in the pool, Larry, and you're going to say, you know what, Dr. Clapper? Thank you. I feel better. Better enough to avoid surgery? That's a win. But if you say, Dr. Clapper, I feel better, but it still hurts, then you only have made yourself stronger. Here's the other win. Your recovery from surgery will be so much easier. You listen to the show. You know I did hip surgery on William Shatner. He's 90 years old. Five years ago, I did his hip. Guess what? That hip is going to space right now. If I can do it what? to William Shatner, I can do it to Larry, <laughs> who just dropped his family off at the airport. All right? Thanks a million. Joint right. space is 50%, by the way. Okay. Well, you you, you and I are going to try to do our best to avoid surgery. That's what you do. I'm going to put you in the pool. Get the book, Heal Your Hips. I wrote it with Lindy Yui. You should read that before we see each other. All right, Larry, God bless you. Are we going to take a break now? We'll take a break, come back, and I'm going to tell you where that best Napoleon is in Los Angeles. That's a 3D model of food, pastry. It's a French Napoleon. Then I'm going to tell you the Jewish bakery that makes the best French pastry. 3D, because it's stacked. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN.
1: going on
3: it's max you know there's no better way to start your saturday morning than with my friend dr clapper and the weekend warrior show what's going on la this is kobe bryant Magandan umaga. start your weekend off right listening to the weekend warrior show with dr clapper
2: umi ihibang paciente mo
3: every saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m on espn Seven Ten, home of your los angeles lakers
2: Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. So joyous to be with you each and every Saturday. I want to thank the Manhattan Beach Rotary Club for asking me to come and speak, which I did last Monday. It's a joy to know so many people are listening. Let's talk about food. The best. Custard. Crispy. Layers. Depth, height. With a cup of coffee, you will feel like you died and went to heaven. It's called a Napoleon. Powdered sugar on top. Just the different textures of the creamy custard versus the crispy pastry. It's not easy to make these things, and people try and they're terrible. It's called a Napoleon, and my favorite. Comes from Bee's Bakery in Reseda. Reseda Boulevard by Ventura Boulevard, next to Mort's Deli. Bee's Bakery. You could get a chocolate horn there too, they're delicious. But 3D modeling, nothing reminds me of a 3D model, life itself, than a French Napoleon from Bee's Bakery. Mm. Speaking of food, next week, I guessed is going to come from the best Hawaiian food in Los Angeles. There are more Hawaiians here than in Honolulu. But his place is in the bowling alley. What? Yup. Hawaiian gardens, Gardena, this whole area is filled with Hawaiians. Can't wait to talk to him. Hideki, coming up next week on The Weekend Warriors Show.